wrestling fans, you're listening to Wrestling with Johnners. Here's your host, John Scott. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 77 and this is no ordinary episode. Uh, for those of you that have been keeping track on our social media pages, this is our one year anniversary super show. Uh, so thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening or watching wherever you're kind of catching this episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is our anniversary Ask Johnners Q&A special and we do have a very, very special guest host uh, joining in very, very soon. I'll introduce you to that uh, guest host very, very soon. Uh, uh, we are going to be covering this week's NXT, AEW Dynamite. Uh, we're going to be going into AEW Full Gear predictions. Of course, AEW have their next pay-per-view on Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, well, myself and my guest will be talking about those matches and who we think might win. Uh, we've also got a range of listener questions. Uh, uh, we did this back in episode 50 where we did an Ask Jonas special to mark our 50th episode. And although this is uh, episode 77, it's, it's our birthday. It's our celebration, our anniversary edition. So we uh, sent out a message to all of our listeners and uh, social media followers to send us questions and they did we have uh, quite a few interesting questions to answer but first of all as i like to do at the beginning of every single episode is shout out about our social media plugs where to find us on the internet on twitter of course our twitter handle is at with underscore pod on instagram it's instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners, and go out and search our ever popular fun friendly and interactive facebook community page just search wrestling with Johnners. We do, we're doing a lot of work on our youtube page uh, more recently, we can find a lot more of our podcast turned into video cast where uh, the, the live content is recorded. So you can see the, the kind of one to one, the face to face uh, recording of her, how then podcast went down uh, and just search our podcast channel, uh, our YouTube channel. Sorry, Wrestling with Jonas. Uh, this is the number one podcast for all of your NXT and AEW and occasionally we do dip into NXT UK not as often as we used to uh, we do talk uh, at length uh, any WWE pay-per-views and AEW pay-per-views and of course our next episode after this one will be our AEW full gear review we'll talk more about that later on uh, so uh, please spread the word um, give us a follow on all of our social media pages and uh, give all of our YouTube pages and YouTube uh, podcast pages a subscribe please so you don't miss out on a single episode uh, so you're notified every time a new episode drops so on to our guest uh host for today our special guest um it's a it's a mr kurt johansson so uh, welcome to the podcast welcome to wrestling with Jonas. thank you for jumping on board with us this week kurt uh, thank you john happy to be here and you actually pronounced my last name right yes which i was like i wonder if this, <laughs> i wonder if he's gonna i wonder if he's gonna pronounce it but yeah um Really happy to be here and to be, when you asked me to be part of the one-year anniversary, that was quite an honour, to be fair. Like, I'm just a podcaster like yourself, and if you yeah. want me to be on this, like, big episode for yourselves, that's, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to be here. 
Well, I, I wanted to get you involved because, as I said to you off there, I was a, a big fan of your your previous podcast uh, channel, uh, Wrestle Thoughts Podcast, which um, ended a few months ago. But you had that going for two years, so we we've just hit our, our one year anniversary. I, I am right in thinking that Wrestle Thoughts went on for two years. So, uh, how did Wrestle Thoughts all come about? You obviously did it with your your other your co-hosts, but uh, give me a little bit of uh, a history lesson to your podcasting career, then, Kurt. So I started off just doing writing articles for uh, the Indie Corner, um, doing some sort of interviews, speaking to, um, I did some stuff with like Bubblegum and I did stuff with Eve. And then a couple of my friends was, well, one of my friends was starting up a podcast and they were getting somebody involved, uh, Dave, who's been a big instrument behind WrestleForts and now Ringsider, um, doing like all the technical stuff. And so I'd met with Jamie, my friend, and the other co-host, Callum, that we knew who each other were, but we didn't really know each other. So we just had a quick chat, and I was like, oh, this is what we're thinking. Would you want to get on board? None of us had podcasted before, so I was like, you know what, let's do it. So when we first started out, it was, we were terrible, I won't lie, we were terrible. Um, but then I think it was just, as soon as the recording happened, we changed Everything about us, as soon as that light went on, changed. And we weren't being us, so thought, no, strip all that back, just be ourselves, how we are in the pub when we're talking about wrestling. So, yeah, Wrestle Thoughts podcast was born. We was doing quite a lot of weekly shows. And then, like, life happened. I'd started a new job. We had quite a lot of stuff going outside. So we had a mini hiatus. During that hiatus, we went to All In together, the three of us. We flew out to Chicago. And then when we got back, I was like, you know what? We're going to get it back up and running. We're going to do the podcast again. And we went from strength to strength, to be fair. We'd spoken to people like Alicia Atout was our first ever proper interview. Um, our friend Nathan Cruz. And then we'd gone. For, I spoke to Shane Taylor. We spoke to Lance Archer and Sin Bodhi. The boys had spoken to Mike Quackenbush. So all of a sudden, we've been getting... We got some sort of following, and we we joined up with the for, like the former Brainbuster Radio Network, and things were going quite well. And then life happened again. We kind of I kind of departed from the group. The boys then left Brainbuster before Brainbuster imploded, and we got back together. We rebranded, known as Ringsider Pod, and we're just doing our own network as well. No politics, no bullshit. Essentially. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, no problem at all. Go for it. <laughs> no, I'll try and keep it tamed, but no BS. Um, so we created Zealots Network. And the thing about Zealots Network is we're not wanting it to be just all wrestling related. So everybody that's involved has been involved in Wrestle Thoughts podcast at once upon a time, whether or not there was a proper member or they've been in a recurring guest. So on the Zealots Network, there's myself, Callum and Jamie for Ringsider Pod, which you can find us at Ringsider Pod. We've also got Make It Darker, um, which you can find at Make Darker. Uh, there, Rivers and James, who used to be recurring figures on Wrestle Thoughts podcast, and they're doing a podcast about horror. So their first one dropped as part of our relaunch on the 31st of October, where they're talking about the Halloween movie. So I think that's really cool. And then Jamie and Callum are doing their own thing called uh, The Occult. So you can find that at Occult Pod, where they're just talking about... The first one was talking about Area 51, so they're talking about loads of different conspiracies and things like that. So we're, 
we're slowly branching out away from professional wrestling. We've not got anybody external on board yet. We thought we'll get zealots up and running to show where people can trust us. And then we might look at bringing in more people, expanding it, um, different genres, more wrestling content, because we can only cover so much wrestling ourselves, as you probably know, John. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back. We've hopefully got, we've got a few people in the pipeline to be speaking to. And I'm just enjoying podcasting again, coming on, coming on on your show. I recently went on Badlands podcast. I, I'm going to be on a podcast again tomorrow morning uh, with Aussie Lucian. So there's so much going on and yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, it's fantastic to have you on board. And like I say, good to see that you're back up and running with uh, the Ringsider podcast. Um, now, I just want to kind of uh, go back in time. And, and I think it was about May this year where you had uh, a fair bit of uh, success, uh, certainly on Twitter with a certain video that you took that uh, went viral. Um, and, and it was kind of an unexpected happening at a, a WrestleGate Pro uh, show so uh, it was when uh, uh, Pack and Adam Page had their impromptu confrontation, impromptu match, uh, which in the end didn't take place at Double or Nothing, but is scheduled to happen uh, on Saturday at Full Gear. So, so tell us a bit about that and kind of it, it just went berserk, didn't it? That was that was crazy. To be fair, um, WrestleGate were was lucky to have them as one of our podcast sponsors, so we'd gone down there live tweeting the show. And what I'm glad is, like, a lot of the guys that was working on the show or working on the pre-show with NGW, they were there. None of them kind of spoiled what was happening, which is quite good. And when we're speaking, like, essentially backstage to keep us away from where Paige was, which I was kind of happy because then it made we were fans for the moment. Yeah, It wasn't like we were ready with a camera or anything like that. All I knew was when packs out have your camera ready so i was like oh, okay let's see what he's gonna say and i just thought i was getting the heads up regarding the promo but nope he hits the promo adam page's music hits everybody just starts going absolutely bizarre and then the fact they had the match so i think i had three potentially three videos one of them got about 140 plus uh, thousand views which AW, Cody, the books, they retweeted that. And I remember just so desperately, whilst it's all happening, getting that video uploaded, the signal was absolutely terrible in Rushcliffe Arena in Nottingham. I'm like, it's not loading, it's not loading. I clicked retry, finally loaded. And then literally as it's going on, I'm going to Callum. I was like, Cody Rhodes has just quoted our tweet. Oh, no. ITV have just retweeted it. <laughs> and before we know it, like, we had... Wrestling Observer, we had Forbes, like that's crazy. Forbes website had a snippet of our Twitter page, and it was like as reported from at WrestleThoughts podcast, and then it shows our thing, and that was on Forbes like website. That was surreal. We're just three guys talking about wrestling, and I'm glad we got all the different footage. The Forbes footage that they used where was actually the one after the match. Where Pack attacks Page saying, I'm not going to AEW. So that one was going viral. The fact that this match is going viral. I had the um, Adam Page promo at the end as well. And it was it was pretty surreal. 
And, and uh, kind of speaking about something more recent, uh, one of your tweets was also uh, noticed at the beginning of this week's AEW Power. Um, so I don't know if you, you're aware of that, but uh, obviously if you hashtag NWA Power, um, you, you know, that they might pick it up, they might use it as part of the introduction to this week's uh, opening segment or opening video package to, uh, to NWA Power. Was you aware of that, Kurt? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I hadn't properly seen NWA Power this week. And Jamie had watched it, but I'm guessing it's skipped the five-minute intro. And somebody tweeted, was like, congrats on getting noticed for NWA Power. And I was like, what the hell? And I, at, the, at the time, I actually had NWA Power on. I was at work, on my lunch, just watching it. I was like, right, skip back to the front. Yeah. Watched all the social media stuff. And yeah, it was on the, those 40 seconds left. And it was actually Jamie's tweet off the ringside, uh, for the Ringside of Pod account. He was like, a bit late to the show with episode four. Hashtag NWA Power, I say all the time, I love the way real Nick Aldis holds the title. He holds it with so much respect and honours it the way it should be honoured. Paying respect to previous champions, to me, that title is the Real World's Championship. Amazing. And to have Amazing. that posted on was, it was another, it was another cool moment. Um, we've, had, we've had a few cool moments over the, over the past, but I think the viral of the, um, pack and page video that just recently coming on, especially after we've took the mini hiatus, it's been good to see that people didn't forget us. Um, during the re, whenever you rebrand, like people knew us as Wrestle Thoughts or WT Pod, so to do that rebranding and people still be excited, like again, when we was off air, you was like, Oh, I'm really glad that you're back, I really enjoyed the show. And that means quite a lot, the fact that how many people that I've spoken to directly, because they were like, at the time, and I think it was like when you'd, you tried getting me on one of the previous shows and I didn't know what I was doing, I was kind of, I don't know, I, I was, wrestling Twitter was rather annoying for me, so I was like, I, I do want to do guest spots, but I don't know when I'm going to be doing it yet. And the fact that now I'm doing them and people are reaching out and just like, so glad that you three are back. I'm so glad that you're doing your individual stuff. It's it's good to know that our content entertained people. Yeah, it's all good as far as I'm concerned anyway. So I can't wait to see more from you and uh, and the rest of uh, Ringsider team. But uh, let's start with some listener questions then, Kurt, because um, we've got uh, quite a few to get through. So before we start talking about uh, NXT this week, uh, let's go to our first uh, listener question. It's from Tommy Lynch from Watch Along Wrestling. Uh, so Tommy asked, uh, what are your favourite live shows that you've attended? So he's got three questions, and that's the first of three. What are your favourite live shows that you've attended? I've got down here that uh, they're both kind of WWE related to a certain degree, but I was lucky enough to go to New Orleans in 2018 uh, for last year's kind of WrestleMania uh, weekend. I was there for five days, as many of you know. Not only was uh, I there for uh, for WrestleMania, which was a, an amazing experience, just being there inside uh, the Superdome, but uh, probably the highlight of my five days there and one of the best shows that I saw uh, the best show while I was there and certainly in my lifetime was at NXT TakeOver New Orleans and you had that uh, amazing six-man ladder match to kick things off. You had the fantastic NXT Championship match uh, between uh, uh, Andrade and uh, Alistair Black and then that brilliant uh, blood feud um, to, to cap things off with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. So uh, 
it, it was just an amazing show, and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll agree, Kurt, that uh, Takeover New Orleans is probably one of the best takeovers uh, they've done, um, you know, since, since they started doing takeovers about four or five years ago. Yeah, hundred percent. Like takeovers, to me, has been untouchable for the past couple of years in terms of quality. Uh, the only thing that would normally, def- well, that would definitely rival it was Wrestle Kingdom, and now it's just really interesting to see that there's another player in town. Um, that's also on a Wednesday, and but yeah, takeovers are always something special, and it's going to be interesting to see what takeovers are like. The fact that we've got competition on a Wednesday now, and essentially yeah. a Saturday if they go head to head on the pay per view dates, but NXT are also now on the same. Well, they've always been above in terms of quality, in my opinion, for Raw and SmackDown, but oh, yeah. they're being acknowledged to be a fair brand rather than the developmental. So I'm excited to see what the next set of takeovers also bring. Definitely. And what about yourself? Uh, what uh, is your favourite live shows that you've attended then, Kurt? My favourite live show would have been um, All In. Right. I've, I've never done America before. I've always <laughs> wanted to do like WrestleMania and things like that. But when All In got announced, we was like, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. And we did it. We did the full StarCast event. We spent a couple of days in Indiana first before going to Chicago. We'd met up with one of our friends that lives in Indiana. And then we drove to Chicago. We got to meet CM Punk on the, I think it was the Friday, which was a surreal experience. He was a lot nicer than what people say. Um, he had our accent and thanked us. The fact that one, we've come out that far and come to Chicago. Two, for meeting him. And three, saying it's cool to see us giving all in guys a chance yeah um so that that was quite a surreal moment and starcast was pretty special for me um before like it's not in terms of like the podcasting stuff but i'd got mentioned on xpac 12360 before and xpac's been quite a big is i'm a big fan of his for how he speaks about depression mental health things like that and it was that podcast that kind of wanted, inspired me to get into podcasting. It helped me once upon a time when I when I was at my worst stage going to counselling. I'd just put it in, watch it on YouTube, do the counselling, put it in, watch it on YouTube whilst I'm going home. And I just I just sent a tweet. Well, I didn't send a tweet. I sent an email into the um, into the show, and basically just like a thank you, saying look. Um, the fact that you do all this regarding the mental health. And I just wanted to thank how the show's helped me, not everybody that was on the show. And I explained a little bit about myself and then how crippling the depression was. And now that I'm coming out the other side. And on the uh, X-Pac 12360 show, I got a DM from Jimbo uh, from the show saying, oh, we spoke about you today, mate. And it was basically Jimbo had mentioned it, and he only said my first name. And X Pack was like Kurt Kurt Johansson. Um, I'll let him off with the mispronunciation. Um, it's not <laughs> often like one of your heroes friggin' acknowledges you. And he was like, "Yeah, I saw that. Yeah." And as Jimbo went to move it on, X Pack brought it back and wanted to. It was basically just giving some context to the listeners, and he was on about that. I I went from meeting the Queen and doing Buckingham Palace garden parties to not leaving my house and 
being essentially suicidal and doing suicide attempts. And then I've worked it around and that I just appreciate the fact that the podcast was what helped me go back into the community and travel around. And I got to meet X-Pac. Like, that was really cool hearing him say that. And I got to meet X-Pac in the meeting group. And then I saw him in the lobby and was having a proper chat. And one of the boys had actually got a picture of it where X-Pac's just... It's the smile on his face is like infectious. Like he was so happy to see me and was just chatting and he was asking how I was doing with the mental health and the fact that he still remembered me and was just was having that chat about it. It was that was one of the key moments for me. And then obviously the show of all in Cody Nick Aldis is the best atmosphere I've ever witnessed. Yeah, it was electric. I, yeah, that gave me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. We watched all in and there was a massive storm going on like thunder and lightning whilst we're in the car park waiting to get into the car and we're just like all four of us was just stood looking at each other like what have we just witnessed because that was incredible like something so independent so self-made to be that good and we went home couldn't be bothered to go out ordered a takeaway in put it on the fight tv app and watched all in back immediately after being there live and then i watched the aldis and cody match on the plane home as well so for me all in hands down is the best wrestling experience in the weekend that i've ever done what an amazing answer that's fantastic another one of um tommy's uh, questions from watch along wrestling was uh, um who are your favorite wrestlers growing up um he, he, he i must have had a conversation with him mentioning that man mountain rock used to be one of my favorites back in the early to mid 90s uh the former max Payne from wcw of course but uh, for me uh favorite wrestlers growing up um i'm a big fan of rick flair a lot of people know that i'm a big fan of rick flair just love his uh, his personality his charisma his mic skills, um, just love what he did in the ring. Sabu as well, another one of my favourites growing up. Um, and uh, Sid, uh, believe it or not, so was one of my favourites. Just loved his look, his size. Um, I just felt that, uh, yeah, it kind of, you know, it, he was the total package of a wrestler as far as I was concerned when I was younger. Um, and uh, he just looked the part. And I felt that WWE, WWF back in the day could have done a bit more with him. But, uh, yeah, loved him in his kind of first stint with WWF back in 91, 92. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what about yourself? Uh, any any favourite uh, fond memories of, of when you were growing up? Uh, any favourite wrestlers when you were younger, Kurt? Um, always stood out was like Rock and Hogan when I was a kid. Um, like I grew up during the Attitude Era. I watched the old WrestleManias and WCW tapes, so I was really accustomed to Hogan. But also Sting, like Sting was, they were like my three main pillars. Obviously, you've, everybody appreciated Austin, but I think they were my three like idols when I was growing up in wrestling. Yeah. And it was just everything about them. All three of them was just larger than life. And it was just the big thing for me was how Sting was so completely different when he changed the gimmick. As a kid at first, I thought it was just a different person when I was like a young, like a young lad. And to appreciate how somebody's proven you can be that blue collar american and um, baby face and then change your character completely to have such grit and depth to the character was tremendous and i think a lot of people praise jericho for reinventing himself i think sting needs that same um acknowledgement especially all the reinventions he did in tna as well 
Mm. Uh, moving on to another question, uh, Ashley Clements asks, uh, what promotions do you want to go to after the last progress showing Camden? David Starr highly recommended going to OTT Wrestling just for the experience. Well, I, I've, I've, I've not been to many wrestling shows this year. Um, I, I've had to start a new job and been busy with that. Uh, so I'd like to go to a lot more wrestling shows in general, to be honest with you. And an OTT is definitely on my bucket list. Would love to go there. Um, I've heard so many great things about OTT. I've seen quite a few of their shows. Um, like I say, David Starr and, and Jordan Devlin match was outstanding. Uh, I know that Walter's been a big star over there and has had some uh, classic matches with Jordan Devlin as well. But uh, yeah, uh, what, what about yourself? Have you been to OTT or any kind of uh, urge to uh, jump on a plane or a boat over to Ireland to watch it for yourself? I've not done it yet. Um, it is on the bucket list, OTT and WXW, 16 Karat Gold. They're my two closer shows that I want to experience, but I'm getting married next year. This year, I've done way too many shows, so I'm having to be a little bit tighter on the pair string. Look after them pennies, yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I was speaking to like the fiance. She's not really into, well, she isn't into wrestling at all. Mania, of course, everybody wants to do Mania, but I'm looking at doing Japan. I want to do Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's going to be my next big travel um, will be Wrestle Kingdom. Ah, you're, not, you're not going to Japan for your honeymoon by any chance, are you, Kurt? Unfortunately <laughs> not. I um, tried it, but no. Hopefully yeah. there's good wrestling promotions in Greece. Yes. <laughs> Maybe, you never know. I haven't heard of too many, but I'm sure there are. Um, but let's have a look at uh, this week's NXT then, Kurt. So, um, there's another fantastic show, as always. I can't wait to talk about NXT this week. So the show opens with footage of uh, the OC from uh, from Raw, Gallows, Anderson and AJ Styles attacking the Undisputed Era backstage before making their way out to the arena and into the ring. Uh, there's a huge This Is Awesome and Two Sweet chants from the fans. AJ says that Undisputed Era and NXT came to SmackDown and Raw because they wanted a war. AJ says that he's bringing the war to them. Then Tommaso Ciampa comes out and welcomes the uh, the OC to the main roster. Um, I love how he kind of uh, said that uh, NXT has always been the main roster as far as he's concerned, and it certainly is as far as I'm concerned as well. Tommaso says that NXT um, has and always has been the show um, and uh, that uh, it just so happens to be his home, daddy's home. AJ asks, are the three of them meant to be scared of just him? Uh, this uh, then sets up the arrival of Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Tommaso then challenges the OC to a war tonight and AJ accepts on behalf of the OC. So uh, an awesome way to kick off this week's NXT. What were your thoughts, Kurt? I lost my shit. Like, give WWE props where it deserved. They made it seem like there's no way possible that anybody of importance could be on NXT from the WWE roster because of the uh, because of the European tour. So when we saw that and we saw them moments ago, I thought, ah, oh, that's cool, but are they, are they just doing that? And then when they started walking through the crowd, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be good. Yeah. And didn't it didn't disappoint. The whole... I liked the smugness of Styles and the, o, and the OC, where there was like, so this is NXT. And it was as if this isn't much like, we was too good for this place. Um but Tommaso Ciampa, to me, is killing it every single time. And I, I want Styles and Ciampa 
give me that singles match. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed it could happen. Survivor Series is just around the corner, so you never know. Uh, the first match of the night on NXT was Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest. Uh, so this was a rematch from a couple of weeks ago after Damian Priest defeated Pete Dunne following a low blow and then a reckoning for the win. Uh, this was a real battle between these two, with Priest dominating much of the match in the early going with his brutality and quick strikes. Uh, Priest even got a two count from a Falcon Arrow. Uh, Dunn managed to turn the match around, though, uh, with an X-Plex and a Moonsault off the turnbuckles. Uh, Dunn then did a backflip off the steel steps over Priest. Uh, however, he did get choke slammed for his troubles on the ring apron by Damien Priest. Uh, Dunn recovers to get a close near fall from his sit-out powerbomb. There's a, a sunset flip over somersault plancher uh, over the top ropes from Damien Priest onto Dunn on the outside. It, I, it's, a, it's a move that you usually see someone like a Grand Metalik or a Cruiserweight do, but uh, Damien Priest uh, just does that, um, and it's absolutely awesome every time. Uh, Priest also gets a close near fall from a crucifix bomb. However, Pete Dunn is able to get the win after the referee gets bundled into the corner, uh, this time enabling Dunn to hit a low blow of his own, getting his O back from uh, a couple of weeks ago from their previous match before applying a cross-arm breaker for the submission win. So I thoroughly enjoyed this opening contest. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, these two wrestlers had fantastic chemistry. Uh, and I think we found another um, another Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic where whenever these two, Pete Dunn and, uh, and uh, Damien Priest are in the ring, they just can't do no wrong. It's just awesome chemistry. And this was a fantastic match, a great way to kick off the show. Um, but the action didn't end there. Before Pete Dunne could even have a chance to celebrate, Killian Dane came into the ring, attacked Pete Dunne from the outside, um, and then he attacked uh, Damien Priest on the outside, giving him a running cannibal into the steel steps. And it uh, looks like we've possibly got a tasty three-way on our hands for a future episode of NXT, or they might uh, kind of move on to the TakeOver card. But uh, what were your thoughts of this match and uh, what transpired afterwards, Kurt? Pete's fantastic. Yeah. Like, he can't do no wrong. To me, nobody cared about Punishment Martinez. I'm sorry. Like, to me, nobody cared about him. The presentation and how he's worked since going to NXT has been one of the most improved wrestlers of this year. I love his entrance. And you said it, the chemistry between Dunn yeah. and Priest. And I think Dunn's being able to showcase how good Priest actually is. He's not just a big guy. He's You, sh you mentioned his athleticism. He's got great striking combinations. I think it was where it was about four kicks, a few strikes, and then like the big strike at the end to drop Dunn. I'm really liking what Damien Priest is doing. And then throwing Killian Dane back in there, he's in great shape now, from especially what he used to be in for the uh, UK independent scene. And either combination of that, a freeway, how the singles would work, Dane versus Dunn, Dane versus uh, Priest, great, great way to kick off for a first match. And to follow the opening, they needed something special in them to delivered. Oh, yeah, in spades. Uh, we then remind you that uh, the team captains for the first ever women's war games match uh, uh, have chosen their first two teammates with Shayna Baszler choosing Io Shirai and Bianca Belair and uh, Rhea Ripley chooses Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae. So we'll talk more about that match a bit later on. Um, then we get a match between Santana Garrett and Tainara. 
So this was uh, Santana's NXT debut, although uh, I, do, I do remember her being a competitor in the 2018 May Young Classic. Uh, Santana uh, nearly had this match won after a handspring moonsault press, uh, which was cleverly avoided by her opponent, enabling Tainara to connect with a, a decent-looking running step-up knee, uh, knee strike for the win there. Uh, and then we got Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. Now, in this match, uh, uh, Baser goes after Dakota's uh, heavily braced uh, right leg uh, with a knee bar and a huge stomp to the knee. Baser gets a two count from a gut wrench superplex off the middle turnbuckle. Both women fight it out toe for toe and kick for kick. For kick. Uh, Dakota is able to fight her way out of Shayna's Carafuda clutch on the first attempt, uh, but not when the move was uh, reapplied a second time with Dakota tapping out um, after a spirited fight from the captain of team kick. Um, but uh, things soon breakdown after the match when the horsewomen uh, come into the w- ring to beat down Dakota before Tegan knocks and Rhea Ripley come out uh, along with Candice LeRae. Uh, however, they're ambushed on the on the ringway, sorry, on the on the rampway uh, by their War Games opponents Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. Mia Yim then comes out to make the save with a kendo stick in hand. She take, ke- takes care of business. Uh, so this was a really good fun segment after quite a good match, uh, with the ending possibly leading us to believe that Mia Yim uh, could be added as the fourth member to Rhea Ripley's War Games team. So uh, just your thoughts, Kurt, on the uh, on the match and how good a job you think they're doing building towards the first ever women's war games match. I'm excited. Um, part of me's scared. I I love Tegan Knox. I really do. Um, when she was on the um, like the independence, massive fan. And it's the Daniel Bryan effect. When Daniel Bryan first came back, mm-hmm. I cringed at every single match. And I've got the same with Tegan. And with the war games, I'm just praying she doesn't get hurt again. But I think that match will help me get away from my fear of her getting injured. Um, but yeah, Shayna Baszler is an absolute megastar. She's the best women's wrestler WWE have got, in my opinion. Especially at the moment, I think she's the hottest. Um, Dakota Kai, it's great to see back. And even the match prior with Tanara Conte and um, Santana Garrett, I think Tanara's somebody they could really build behind. And I think it was, I was just having a look in Santana. I think it's her like fifth appearance on NXT television, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, she faced Asuka back in 2016 and Emma. And it's good to see, she's always had these sporadic appearances. And it'll be interesting to see if they're going to do anything with her or if it was just another will sign her so somebody else can't. Yeah, I get the feeling they're going to do a bit more with her. I mean, she's got a good look. Uh, you know, she put in some good moves against Tainara, and it was a it was a fairly good match for what it was. Uh, could have gone either way, but um, yeah, I think we're going to see a bit more from uh, Santana Garrett. Um, the next match was uh, really good, really interesting. Tony Nese versus Angel Garza. So Angel Garza uh, and now a babyface uh, going up against former cruiserweight champion Tony Nese with the winner to face NXT. Cruiserweight champion Leo Rush on a future episode. And I think it's announced later on in the show that that match will take place next week. Um, uh, this match was full of uh, excellent action from these two highly talented wrestlers. Uh, there was so much great action, including a tornado DVT from Nice off the ring apron to the floor, um, as well as a close near fall from a 450 splash from Tony Nice. 
uh, Garza gets to win in this one and to become the number one contender from his wing clipper finishing move. Uh, so both of these two uh, are just so smooth in the ring, uh, Kurt. Uh, Angel Garza has to be one of the revelations of 2019 as far as I'm concerned. I'll be honest, I preferred him a little bit when he showed his more cocky heel side. He's uh, showing more uh, baby face elements at the moment. But uh, um, if they allow him to build his character... Um, I, I think he could be a really big star in the future. But uh, what were your thoughts on, on kind of this match? And, and just before I hand over to you, kind of at the end of the match, Leo Rush and Angel Garza did have a little bit of a face-to-face uh, on the uh, on the stage way. And uh, Leo Rush put his hand out for a friendly sportsman shake, uh, handshake. But uh, Angel Garza just uh, slapped him around the face uh, before walking off the stage. But uh, a good match and a good way to build up to Angel Garza's uh, confrontation for the Cruiserweight Championship against Rush. Yeah, I'm so glad that the NXT um, isn't. It's now the NXT Cruiserweight division. Yeah, I think it's going to be showcased so much better with that. Tony Nese is just an absolute specimen, and it'll be interesting to see how NXT will book somebody of his abilities. But Angel Gaza, absolutely love him. Um, was a big fan of his work in Impact Wrestling when he was Hector Gaza Jr. Um, you're right, the cockiness, and I'm so I was so glad when he did the slap to Leo Rush. I'm like, yes, this is to me. He's a lot like Almas. Is more is a crew like a more cruiserweight version of Andrade. Yeah. And to see where Gazo goes, he's he can talk. He's got the looks. He's got the ability, and I think he could be an absolute megastar, especially under Triple H's um, like guidance in NXT. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, let's answer some more questions then. So uh, we got some uh, questions or some questions from Chris Martin. Now, uh, Chris occasionally jumps on the podcast and help us to uh, review pay-per-view shows. Um, mm. But uh, Chris's first question is, uh, what uh, do I believe is the match of the year so far? Well, there's only one answer as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's from NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, and it has to be Walter versus Tyler Bate for the uh, WWE United Kingdom Championship. That match went 42 minutes. Um, easily a five-star match as far as I was concerned. I was there, saw it in the flesh. I've seen it a dozen times or more back on the network ever since. But uh, match of the year so far has to go to Walter versus Tyler Bate. Uh, what's your match of the year so far, Kurt? It was a difficult one. Like That match was fantastic. But whereas you was watching that live, I was watching Okada and Suzuki. Yeah. And... This is why I'll I'll say this this three matches why I can't like kinda there's that one with Okada and Suzuki. Basically because I went in there saying, Well, this is it'll be a good match, but it's pointless. We know Okada's winning. And they managed to make me believe Suzuki was gonna win that title. They had me jumping on the seat when he was trying to do the gotch power drivers, just like sit down, sit down. So, for me, that match was outstanding. Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay, best of Super Juniors final, was absolutely incredible. And one of them that I actually saw live as well, and it will be on probably nobody's list, Rampage Brown versus Shuji Ishikawa at WrestleGate. And it was when they were doing the Emerald Grand Prix. Rampage and Ishikawa, that match was absolutely brutal. And it's potentially one of the best matches I've seen live ever. 
Wow, high praise. Uh, Chris then goes on to ask, um, uh, what one question would you like to ask Vince McMahon? So uh, my one question would be, uh, when are you going to get rid of all the script writers and let the wrestlers do their own promos? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think that's ever likely to happen. Uh, but what about yourself, Kurt? If you had a chance to meet uh, uh, Vinnie Mac, what would you ask him? Well, Vince is a chaotic genius. Although I don't like the main products, to say he's not a genius and after what he's built, it'd be a, a lie. I'd ask him what his biggest regret is. It'd be interesting for somebody so powerful and so successful with such controversy in wrestling, what what his biggest regret in wrestling is. Mm, yeah, decent question there. Uh, Chris then asks, if you were able to eliminate someone from a battle royal, who would you eliminate? Um, I'll, I'll probably eliminate Vince McMahon, actually, going back to the 99 <laughs> Royal, Royal Rumble and stop him from uh, winning the Rumble in 99. Uh, so uh, a lot of my answers are going to revolve around uh, Vince McMahon as far as uh, Chris's questions are concerned. But see, I would I would eliminate Vince McMahon from the 99 Royal Rumble to prevent him from, uh, from winning that match. But uh, what, what about yourself, buddy? Mine would be Kofi Kingston. The reason being, Kofi always does amazing stuff to stay in the Rumble. I want to walk out that Rumble, the biggest friggin' heel going. So as Kofi lands and does something to stop himself from being eliminated, I'm not going to stand there and watch looking gormless. I'll go through the middle ropes. I'm not, um, not eliminated. And I'll stop whatever he's doing to make sure his feet touch the ground. I'm going to get booed out of the building. <laughs> I'll get back in. I don't care if I get thrown out because then it'll be a massive pop. It'll be really entertaining. But ultimately, I've ruined everyone's fun because Kofi's not done his great escape. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And then uh, Chris goes on to ask, uh, if you had the opportunity to call any match in history with any announcer, who would it be and what match? So uh, I've got that uh, I'd call the 92 War Rumble with uh, Bobby Heenan and uh, Gorilla Monsoon. I think that the commentary from uh, from that show, from the War Rumble match itself, is possibly, it goes down in as possibly some of the best work from a commentary team ever, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely love it. And it really helps to, uh, uh, to to build the legacy of that match itself. The match was fantastic. The commentary really added to it. But I'd like to be part of that commentary team for the 92 Wall Rumble. But uh, uh, what about yourself? If you had the opportunity to call any match with any announcer then, Kurt? I'd call it with JR just because the two matches would be relevant. It'd be Rock and Austin, WrestleMania 17. And it'd be Rock and Hogan, WrestleMania 18. Because they're my two absolute favourite matches of all time. They're not the best technically. But for what I grew up and what I remember, they're my two favourite matches. Brilliant. And uh, one more question from uh, uh, Ditz. Uh, it's another podcast of Ditz on uh, wrestling. And he's asked, uh, what is your favourite gimmick match? And for me, uh, sticking to a bit of a theme, I suppose, but uh, having given this quite a bit of thought, um, I've got to say that my favourite gimmick match is the Wall Rumble. Um, I love the surprise entrance. I love the drama to see who's coming out next. I love the, the returning legends coming out, the storylines that build throughout the match. And most of all, to see uh, what WrestleMania matches might come out of it, what pairing might kind of come out of it from uh, from the match itself that could possibly go on to be a WrestleMania match. And of course, see who wins to, to headline for a championship at WrestleMania itself. So uh, I've got to say for all of them reasons, it's the Royal Rumble as far as I'm concerned. But uh, what say you? 100% agree. Royal Rumble, one of my favourite times of the year. The gimmick match is incredible. A notable shout out to the Ultimate X match as well. I think that's incredible, especially when they don't use the ladders. I think that needs a noticeable shout-out, but Royal Rumble, hands down. 
Superb. Um, going back to NXT then, uh, we get some backstage footage of Rhea Ripley, who chooses her final member of War Games. And as we suspected, it is uh, Mia Yim with uh, a, deje- a dejected Dakota Kai telling Rhea that uh, she sees how it is before she walks off. And then we get our next match. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Dominic Dijakovic. So uh, Swerve gets a close near fall in this match from a DDT, appearing to spike Dijakovic on the top of his head. Uh, Swerve is able to reverse a feast your rise into a roll up for a two count. Uh, Dijakovic does get a close near fall from a big boot and then a choke bomb uh, on uh, Isaiah Scott. Dijakovic gets spiked on his head again, this time from a poison rana, rana before uh, uh, another close near fall from a huge 360 lariat from Scott. Uh, Scott does, uh, go, he goes on a bit of a rampage towards the end of the match, as a matter of fact, looking like he might steal the win here. However, Dijakovic pulls off the win with his feast, your eyes. Uh, so these two, once again, we go back to Pete Dunn and Damien Priest having great chemistry. These two, I don't know how many times they've, they've touched in the ring before this match, but uh, these two had amazing chemistry as well. Uh, and uh, is a real display of moves from Isaiah Scott, probably more than we've seen uh, since he's made his debut on NXT. Um, another fun match, Kurt, and I'd, I'd love to see these two go out again, to be honest with you. We seem to be seeing a lot of really good pairings um, on NXT that do really well, that you kind of be more than happy to see uh, more than once. But uh, what were your thoughts on this match? And uh, I mean, just another thought of mine is I think this this extra hour of NXT is really giving a lot of um, a, a lot more and maybe maybe newer wrestlers, new NXT wrestlers, a real chance to shine, whereas they may not have had the opportunity to before. So well, whereas a lot of people were quite sceptical when uh, NXT were given the second hour on the USA Network. I think it's really working a treat, but uh, what say you? What's your thoughts, buddy? Regarding the two hours, 100%, um, I was telling one of, one of my buddies that's kind of got out of touch with wrestling about NXT and AEW, and he was like, it's better than three hours, it sounds it. I was like, but NXT and AEW could do three hours, and it'd still be a lot better because the content that's been delivered is fantastic. These two absolutely killed it. Isaiah, glad he's in WWE. He's so he's so good. But Dijakovic, he's took it to another level. And I think he was kind of just floating around a little bit until the Keith Lee stuff. And since that Keith Lee match, he can do no wrong. And he, like... I can't express like how far Dijakovic is going to go. I can see him being a challenger for the NXT title in the near future. Mm, I hope so. It can do no wrong at the moment. Mm. And again, I'd like to see them go again. And I think that's this case with anybody because the talent pool in NXT is so good. It'd be really difficult to have a poor parent. Mm, yeah, you just want to see more from all of this. I just absolutely love it at the moment. But a really good match between those two. Uh, before the main event, uh, it is uh, announced that Mia Yim will take on Io Shirai on next week's NXT. And it's going to be in a ladder match uh, with the winner of the match getting the advantage for their respective War Games, uh, War Games team. Um, obviously, having the, the, the first... Uh, a second partner to go into the start one-on-one and then the, it goes uh, staggered um, where each team will have their next person go in. And the winner of that match next week 
uh, will have uh, the advantage in the War Games match uh, when it takes place on the 23rd of November. And then on to the main event. So it was teased at the beginning. It was announced at the beginning uh, that the OC, Gallows, Anderson and AJ Styles will take on Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. So after a big brawl around the ring, all six wrestlers, uh, by all six wrestlers, Ciampa nearly gets uh, gets an early two count on AJ Styles from his Willow's Bell. So that's his draping DDT that he does. And they kind of hit it straight off the back there on AJ Styles. But after Tommaso takes a, a beating, Matt Riddle gets the hot tag, taking the fight to all three members of the OC, including uh, some Brotons, an exploder suplex, soccer kicks, a delayed German suplex, a flash knee strike, and a bridging German on AJ for the two count. Uh, Styles drops Lee with the DDT before nailing Riddle with a brain buster for a close near fall. Uh, the closing sequence of this match saw Keith Lee sending AJ Styles flying into the referee with a huge pounce uh, before clotheslining Anderson over the ropes to the outside. Riddle then delivers a backflip over the top of his opponent onto the floor. Champa then connects with the running needs of the face of AJ, but before he could deliver his fairy tale ending, we get the music of Finn Balor, who drops Riddle on the outside with his bloody Sunday DVT, uh, before Finn looks into the ring at AJ, with Finn showing his uh, AJ, uh, mm-hmm. showing AJ's Prince Devitt uh, uh, double gun pose, and AJ sing- sing- signals back with his two sweet. Uh, Styles is about to finish Champa off with a Styles clash when Adam Cole comes into the ring to attack Styles with a super kick before uh, dropping Champa with a last shot as the show goes off the air uh, we got Bala and Cole staring at each other leaving the fans to wonder what next and what role will Bala take as we get closer to TakeOver and will he play a part in that show? So uh, uh, a bit of a chaotic main event. Uh, like I say, it was, it was excellent while it lasted. And then you had the introduction of Finn Bala and then you had the surprise appearance from uh, Adam Cole. So it was all going off. Um, I don't think we had a decisive conclusion to the match, but uh, what were your thoughts on this excellent uh, closing segment and, and main event, Kurt? Well, you've just made me want to watch the match again, to be honest. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, fantastic stuff. Before I go into it, you mentioned the me Io Shirai match mm. next week. I just can't wait for War Games to see Io Shirai hit the best moonsault in the business off the frigging cage. Wow. It's going to be a thing of beauty. But this match, it's the OC that we've been wanting. It's the, the Gallows, Anderson and Styles that we've been wanting since they frigging debuted. And the fact that those three turned up was the best possibility and it was great to see them dare I say without the shackles on yeah and the match was fantastic yeah like I said before I want to see Styles and Champa it's it's finishing on a cliffhanger it's finishing on cliffhangers and that's what wrestling used to be about wrestling used to be about leaving you excited so you can't wait to see what happens next week not just a generic finish and each week I'm like ah, they can't top that and the frigging top it. Like, they've been knocking it out of the park at the moment. And there's so many variables. Like you said, what's next? Cole and Bala. You've got Bala and Gagano happening. Is Bala going to finally team in an eight-man tag match with Styles, Gallows, Anderson? What's going to happen? There's so much variables. And it's brilliant to be a wrestling fan right now. It really is. And like you said uh, at the beginning, it, you know, it, was, it was good to see them wrestle without the shackles. And even AJ Styles looked like he was wrestling with quite a bit of freedom there, to be honest with you. And it reminded me of when he was wrestling back in the old TNA days. He really was. Uh, it looked like he was having fun and enjoying it in the ring without being restricted um, under the under the watch of Vince McMahon, you could say. But uh, did you get the same impression? 
Yeah, 100%. Um, it's, for me, they've, all of this has made Survivor Series worthwhile. Survivor Series has been poor for the past few years. And if we're getting this every year, a mini invasion angle all the time, hands down. And it's so good because what's the possibilities? All the other people that you know can absolutely deliver. What happens if Daniel Bryan or Seth Rollins goes to NXT or NXT TakeOver to have a match and those shackles come off because it isn't Vince dictating how they can do a match? And obviously he has to dictate because they've got sponsorships and they've got the audience and that's why they're making so much money. But it makes it possible for people to go to NXT to have those killer dream matches. And yeah, I, I want to see more of AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson on NXT. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then it's confirmed that the, the men's War Games match is, is going to be the Undisputed Era versus Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and one of the rest are yet to be announced. So that looks a really tasty match. Uh, can't wait for that one. It's going to be really fun. I mean, we've seen a lot of NXT on Raw, SmackDown, and of course, uh, the, the show every Wednesday. And then to think on the on the 23rd and 24th of this month, we're going to have TakeOver War Games and NXT uh, show, of course. And then the following night, more NXT on Survivor Series. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the roster, it's the brand that we can't get enough of, and we're going to have plenty to get our uh, get our eyes around um, throughout this month. But uh, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. But um, before we go into AEW Dynamite, uh, Kurt, let's answer some more questions, shall we? Okay. So let's let's have a look, see who's up next. Uh, we got um, there. We go, Ashley Clements with a question: Which wrestler or wrestlers have impressed you this year that you've seen in person? So. Uh, um, phew, crikey. Have you, have you got an answer to this one? Which wrestlers have impressed you that you've seen in person? Um, for new wrestlers, okay, so obviously every time I see Rampage Brown, I'm blown away. He's the best wrestler in Europe, in my opinion. But for those that I've not seen much of until this year, Karen Noir, he's been absolutely incredible. His entrance, his, the whole presentation, it's such an art form with him. I first saw him in WrestleGate Line Spirit against Bad Bones' John Klinger in a match where it made me wince quite a lot. Like, it made me cringe because I thought he's going to kill himself. And he was absolutely fantastic. And then, for me, Karen Noir and Scotty Davis stole the show for the Still Chasing and Natural Progression weekend for Progress. Yeah, He was absolutely phenomenal then. And, obviously, Still Chasing got to face Pete Dunne. So, for me, Karen Noir and somebody that thinks a sleeper pick would be Joe Nelson. Uh, Joe Nelson in the North is, I think, 17, maybe 18. And he's doing some fantastic stuff. I saw him at uh, Fight Club Pro uh, last, I think it might have been last month, for the Project Mayhem. And he was just in, like, a filler multi-man match in the first show. But then on night two, he teamed with the besties in the world to face the Rascals. And it looked like he belonged at such a young age. Them two are the people that I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, for me, uh, I've got to say it's the, the grizzled young veterans. I think Zach Gibson and James Drake, such great workers, so smooth as a team. They work so well as a team and their double team moveset um, is the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, they, they are also two of the best heels in the business as well. So I just love what they do inside the ring and outside the ring. But I just think they're so smooth, work so well as a team. But, uh, you know, wrestlers that I've been impressed with this year, live in person, I think those two are definitely up there for me. Uh, we got another question from Andy Walters this time. 
if you could create your own faction with wrestlers from any promotion, any era, who would be in it? So for me, um, I've got to look to, to some of my favourite wrestlers of all time, really. I think Vader would definitely be in there for the strength, for the size, for the power, his presence. Um, also part of that faction for me would be uh, the loose cannon, Brian Pillman. Um, I just think that his character, um, his unpredictability, what's he going to do next? Completely off the wall, uh, a brilliant wrestler. Um, will be greatly missed and uh, yeah absolutely loved the loose cannon persona of Brian Pillman uh, Jake Roberts uh, for his uh, for his awesome um, interviews and mic work uh, menacing persona um, and great wrestling ability in the ring and that DDT that he could strike from out of nowhere and I think adding somebody into the mix from the modern era I would have to add uh, Tommaso Ciampa I think he would kind of complement the other three wrestlers that I said he's great on the mic great in the ring got a fantastic uh, heel and babyface persona although I did prefer him as, as a heel to be honest with you uh but yeah vader brian pillman jake roberts and tomaso champa but uh, have you got a faction that you could create from uh, any promotion any era uh, who would be in it kurt i'm gonna kind of cheat and mix a couple of factions together so um i'd go for the probably the heart foundation in um i'd have obviously you've got david boy uh, the british bulldog i'd have him and dynamite kid um I'd have Brian Pillman. You've got Owen Hart and Bret Hart. And obviously there's the anvil. But the big thing that I wanted it is the British Bulldog and David, and then David Boy Smith Jr. Have Brian Pillman and his son, Brian Pillman Jr. Wow. And the dynamite kid with his two nephews that are wrestling yeah. um, in the UK at the moment. And you could mix them with Teddy Hart, who's our Owen Hart. I would like to see those two. Um, I tweeted MLW when they asked who they wanted in the Hart Foundation. And I tweeted about the two nephews of Dynamite Kid just because of the relationship with Davy Boy Smith Jr. And that's the faction that I'd like to see at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, I like your thinking there. Uh, let's have a little look at this week's AEW Dynamite anyway. So this was another really stacked show from AEW. And uh, the show kicked off with a, a match between the Bastard, Pack, um, or is it Park? I'm not sure. <laughs> Even Jim Ross gets it, uh, gets it wrong. Uh, versus Trent Beretta. So Beretta was accompanied to the ring, as always, by Chuck Taylor and Orin Cassidy with uh, Pack on course for his uh, third match with Hangman Page at this Saturday's Full Gear. Uh, so uh, Pack was vicious in his offence with a repeated use of the guardrails before connecting with a, a corkscrew plancher over the top ropes onto Beretta on the outside. Uh, Beretta demonstrates some of his own high-flying prowess with a tope con hello onto Pack on the outside. Beretta does manage to get a couple of close near falls, one from a swinging tornado DVT. However, it was uh, at the end of the ending of the match that's caused quite a few raised eyebrows, Kurt, over the last 24, 48 hours. Uh, Pack drops Bretta on the outside with a brain buster uh, before setting himself up on the top rope for the Black Arrow. Firstly, it looks as though Bretta um, has to shuffle himself into position uh, to get ready for the move. And then after Pack connects with the Black Arrow, the referee fails to count the three after Bretta's shoulder, shoulders appears to stay down. Uh, Pack transitions into the rings of Saturn uh, for the eventual submission victory. So what's your take on what happened here then, Kurt, at the end of the match? Uh, from my vantage point or the viewer's vantage point, what on TV, it did look as though Beretta's uh, 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 shoulders were down and the referee should have counted the pin uh, on the three. But uh, what, what do you think on this one and who's at fault? Um, it, was fr it was frustrating to see, I guess. But it's one of those where human error does happen. Mm. 
True. Um, for me, I think the referee should never stop the count. I think responsibility is always on the um, to the people that are wrestling. If the referee's counting properly and he's having his arms stretched properly and he's doing the count, if the free's there, hit the free. Especially yeah. because it was a black arrow that um, that he used. I think the reason why he won't have is obviously they're trying to get the submission move over at the moment. Uh, it was a weird one to see him kick out the black arrow, to be honest. Um, the f- something was wrong. Some like something went wrong there. But to me, I still enjoy still enjoyed it. But I don't think he should have ever kicked out of the black arrow, anyways. Because yeah. I think that move should be still killer. Yeah, totally. Uh, after the match, Pac then cuts a promo um, on uh, Hangman Page, telling him that uh, he will make an example of him at Full Gear on Saturday. Uh, the other talking point coming out of this week's AEW Dynamite cut was uh, was Cody's promo, though. So directly after the first match, Cody came into the ring. He spoke about Dusty. Uh, Cody called AEW Ellis Island for professional wrestling and that AEW is freedom. Uh, Cody announces that if he fails to beat Jericho on Saturday, that he will never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Uh, Cody said that uh, this match was uh, not about the dead. It wasn't about uh, his father, uh, but it was about the living. It was about his mother. It was about his sister. It was about his wife. And it was about the 14 years um, to go from undesirable to un-goddamn deniable. Uh, Cody finished by saying that on Saturday he will become the AEW World Champion. So uh, there's so much I left out there, but what what an amazing promo from Cody. Uh, This is a match I'm really looking forward to, and even more so following uh, this past Wednesday in that promo, mostly because of the build and the fantastic mic work and video packages that we've had to build up this world title match on Saturday. So what, what was your impression of what Cody had to say on Wednesday? Goosebumps. There's a reason why All In's my favourite experience, and it's because of the story Cody can tell. Yeah. And Cody's speech and the way he carries himself. Um, after All In, I did a sh- when he won the t- NWA title, I had a cigar with him and Kazarian, and even then, it was just like star power. And he he looks like a champion. He acts like a champion. He's a megastar, and he's such a showman. The way he is really articulate and tells a story really well. And for me, that is how you hype for a pay-per-view. I think in terms of a go-home show, they've knocked out the park. Mm. They've hyped full gear amazingly. But Cody's just... Cody delivered a, a promo that will stand the test of time. Mm. Shall I tell you what have. works for me? I mean, he, he, he it's his emotion. There's always real raw emotion whenever you've got Cody in the yeah. ring when he cuts. You know, he, he obviously has, uh, you know, his dad on his mind and his family. He's, he's very passionate family man. Um, he's got a lot of legacy there uh, with his father, with his brother. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's the emotion. And you can feel that it's real when Cody cuts a promo. It's not scripted. It's all him. And it's all passion. It's all emotion. I think that's what works. And that, that going back to, you know, what we've always said, if, if uh, WWE allowed the wrestlers to have a bit more freedom on the mic, I think that they'd get a few more results like this. But, uh, yeah, couldn't agree with you anymore. He knocked it out of the park and got us uh, yeah. looking forward to that main event even more, to be honest with you. And it deserves a recognition like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson even, he replied to the actual AEW tweet regarding it. And it's rhythm, candence, tone, intent, passion, execution. Great bro- great promo, brother. 
you might drop that MF some motherfucker at Cody yeah. Rhodes. And mm-hmm. that's coming from probably the greatest talker of all times. And Cody is outstanding. Yeah, very impressed with that one. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's the hype uh, that the video packages, the other uh, mic work that's happened in the lead up to Saturday's uh, showdown between him and Jericho that's really worked and really sold us to that particular title match. But uh, on to the next match, and it was Private Party versus the Dark Order. Now, the winner of this match will be added into a triple threat match uh, to go up against uh, um, SCU, who's the current AEW World Champion, uh, Tag Team Champions, and the Lucha Brothers at Four Gears, so turn it into a three-way. Uh, so this was a really fun match, uh, so many high spots from both teams. Um, many thought that the match was won by the Dark Order after they hit their running Cannibal in 450 for a very, very close near fall. However, the ending wasn't too far away as the uh, infectious duo of uh, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy combined well uh, with their uh, gin and juice double team finisher for the win and to enter themselves into the triple threat for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um, Pitting, pit obviously, champions, SCU and uh, number one contenders, Lucha Brothers. So well, uh, private party of, uh, of gate crashed the party on Saturday then, Kurt. So uh, a pretty good match. Um, I, I thought that these two worked quite well together. Um, it, it's a shame that they're kind of not doing as much with the Dark Order. I know it's early days, but they kind of got a buy into the tournament straight through to the semi-final and then they lost that match which was quite surprising um but uh, what were your thoughts on these two teams and how the match went down private party have been one of the biggest surprises they've been booked so good and i feel that they're in the match because they'll blend a lot better with lucha bros and seu i think if dark order was in the match it'd slow the match down and i think they're just gonna go balls to the wall an amazing triple threat match uh, this weekend. It's a shame they've not done much with Dark Order. I thought they were going to be an absolute wreck, like dominant tag team. Yeah. Hopefully they'll tell us that story where they've not really been that dark. So hopefully they snap sooner rather than later and then just run rough shot. But the tag division in uh, AEW right now is outstanding. It really is. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's completely stacked. And I thought it was demonstrative during the tag team tournament how good it was and what great matches we had on offer. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they could have a, an entire pay-per-view full of excellent tag team wrestling as far as I'm concerned. They really do have some uh, excellent teams and a great roster to pick from. Uh, we then get quite an interesting hype video from Le Champion, Chris Jericho, uh, which was full of full of humour and uh, was almost a, a bit of a spinal tap of wrestling hype videos, to be honest with you. We had uh, words from Sammy Guevara, uh, Soul Train Jones, the former Virgil uh, from WWF. Uh, we even had Chris Jericho's auntie and uh, a rather silent Jake Hager, who, uh, of course, uh, hasn't said a word yet. And uh, he didn't say a word during this uh, promo either, this, this video. Uh, I did laugh out loud when I saw this, to be honest with you, Kurt, uh, where we've had a very emotional, very passionate speeches and, and promos from Cody Rhodes. This video package, uh, you know, was almost the opposite of all of those, but got exactly the same result and made us look forward to his match with Cody even more. But uh, this was a bit of a laugh out loud moment. I'm sure it was intended to be uh, more on the kind of slapstick side um but uh yeah what about yourself did you get a little bit of a chuckle out of this one yeah just seeing virgil on there made me laugh like <laughs> it is virgil um and i thought it was like I'm, I'm sure the old woman was 
Jericho's aunt's friend from church. Oh, is that right? Sorry, yes. I'm, I'm sure it was Jericho's <laughs> aunt's friend from church. You're right now, yes. It was just completely bonkers. But again, absolutely brilliant. And the thing that stood out for me was Jericho kissing Sammy Guevara on the head. Like, I love that. <laughs> Sammy Guevara is a born heel. <laughs> Jericho can get him to where he needs to be. And I always like when they get legends to speak about people. So it was interesting seeing Virgil. Hopefully that's we don't see much of Virgil much more yeah. after that. But Agreed. Um, yeah, it was... The hype packages are great for what AEW are doing. And the promo works are great. They're very creative and I'm liking it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Then we get uh, a match uh, pitting Jamie Hayter and uh, Emmy, uh, sorry, Emmy Sakara versus Shana and Rihu. So if I can get my, my lips around those uh, uh, those names, uh, this was a, a fine match for what it was. We even get, got a, a double wet willy from Jamie Hayter on the AEW Women's Champion, which was quite amusing. Uh, we got a brilliant action from all four women in this match. Uh, but the end of the match came following a series of pinning attempts between Rihu and uh, Sakara, with uh, Rihu getting the pinning, uh, sorry, with Rihu getting pinned by her full gear uh, opponent, Emi Sakara. So uh, perfectly setting up their match on Saturday, Kurt. Now, I know that you've been a a big champion, a big proponent of women's wrestling for many years now, but what were your thoughts on these four wrestlers in this match and how it went down and how do you think it sets up their championship match on Saturday, buddy? Sets it up well. Um, I think with the type of pin, it's showing the teacher is still the master there, not the student who's the champion. Um, obviously, Emi Sakura teaching like the trainer of Rio back in Japan. Yeah. The fact that Shana has been signed by AW shows a sign of intent of listening to fans. She got an amazing reaction uh, the week prior, so great to see she's signed. Uh, they've recently just signed Big Swall as well. Uh, they did that backstage um, on Wednesday night, yeah. um, I think after a dark match. But I think with Jamie Hayter, is fantastic as well. And I hope they sign Jamie Hayter down to the contract. There's so much depth, and I'm looking forward to the story that Riho and um, Emi Sakura can tell. Don't know how the crowd will get behind it, because Sakura tried doing her we will rock you kind of hype bit, and there was some booze that went that hype that I think they was expecting. It'll be interesting the way it'll go. Um, but for in terms of in-ring quality, Full Gear is going to be fantastic with them too. Mm, agreed, agreed. Then we get a match between Brandon Cutler and the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears. So Sean, Sean Spears pretty much uh, decimated Brandon Cutler in this match, winning the match in pretty quick fashion with a running Death Valley driver. Um, after the match, Spears was about to drop Cutler for a second time on a steel chair. Um, only to have bad boy Joey Janela race out to make the save, setting up a potential feud between Janela and Sean Spears uh, for a later date. So I don't know if it's been announced as to whether, whether these two will be fighting at full gear. Let's just check yes, the, it, the list of yeah, matches. It is now they're on the card. Yeah, so that that'll be uh, quite a quite a good match. Uh, looking forward to that one. But uh, has Sean Spears lived up to your expectations since joining AEW? I mean, he's he's not been very successful, not been on the winning side much, um, but he's still got um, looks like quite a bit more presence and a bit more importance about him since joining the brand. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad the way they're booking him. They're not doing what TNA did. 
where it's a WWE guy that went main event, he's going straight to the main event. So I'm 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 glad. And this change of character is such a completely different change to the perfect ten. And I'm I'm loving that Tully's by him. So I think they're just building and building and building. Cody recently said in an interview that over the next month or two, they'll be probably introducing doesn't want to call it a mid card title because he thinks that's a detriment. It should be a title that rises up. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where he'll shine. I think he'd be a great champion for those that are under the main event scene. And I think having a good run with that, with Tully by his side, could be what elevates him to the main event picture. I'm loving the chairman stuff. I think that was a happy coincidence with the chair shot being a little bit more, a little bit too brutal than it was supposed to be. But it was a happy coincidence. Cody's okay. And he's, he's just got something that fits. It doesn't feel forced. It works with him. Yeah, I agree. And I'm looking forward to his match with uh, Janela on Saturday. Uh, on to the next set of questions then, Kurt. So uh, Jason Lee Wood, he asks, uh, knowing the mess that Seth is currently in, uh, the you're not cool Seth, so getting quite a few boos, and how <laughs> Becky isn't as hot as she was last year um, at Survivor Series, uh, when was the last time WWE got a wrestler over intentionally? So uh, I've got here that uh, it's possibly been a, a very long time. I mean, the wrestlers that I've got down here that they've possibly got got over um you could consider maybe roman reigns in there maybe ronda rousey but what about the fiends i know the fiend is you know he, he was a bit of a hit from day one but he's still a kind of a wwe gimmick you could say might have been manifested from uh the the mind the rather uh, deranged mind of bray wyatt um but uh yeah i mean if you think of any wrestlers that wwe have intentionally got over instead of it being more organic and uh, fan-based Fiend um, was also on my list. Um, and the only other thing that I could think of is Seth Rollins' heel turn. Yeah, when true. When Seth Rollins turned on the shield, then during that dynamic, Seth Rollins was the one people weren't paying attention to as much. Then that heel turn was what made Seth Rollins to what he is now, which is one of the biggest stars in the company. So I think they need credit for that. But I think the struggle, I think fans are partly to blame. You said Roman Reigns getting over. Roman Reigns was over. I remember people booing Batista because Roman Reigns didn't win the Rumble. Mm. So then WWE like, okay, we'll give you what you want. And then people start booing Roman Reigns. And I think it's a case of, we want you to push him. Oh, actually, no, you're pushing him too much. And we're in, we're in that sort of um, environment now where people... It's hard to please a wrestling fan. It really is. <laughs> Even when they give you what you want, uh, you still we, we always still find a, a way to complain about it. But yes, we are very difficult uh, to please. But uh, on to part two of Jason's uh, question. Um, why was the Attitude Era so popular? And why isn't WWE reaching those previous heights? Or maybe uh, they are and you uh, totally disagree, what do you think? So about the Attitude Era. So I've got you know a couple of responses to Jason's question. Firstly, I think uh, one of the main reasons why the WWE, why the Attitude Era was so popular was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, he resonated uh, with the everyman. He resonated with so many millions of fans out there. He was the, the anti-establishment, the anti-authority figure, um, delivered brilliant promos, had that iconic look, uh, that attitude. Uh, but uh, I think around that time, WWE, they were pushed into a situation where they had to create new stars and let's let the personalities, let the stars be themselves. 
much of the attitude here has been kind of over romanticized as far as I'm concerned however when you look back at the characters and some of the iconic matches and memories from 20 plus years ago the attitude attitude era may never be repeated uh the WWE won't necessarily go back to them heights unless they allow their wrestlers to talk for themselves and uh, you only have to look at the freedom that uh, AEW and AEW wrestlers are given on the mic and we sort of spoke about that earlier and uh, AEW of course is, is the cool kid on the block at the moment and uh, now th- there is that sense uh, you know with that competition of AEW being around at the moment and WWE uh, we've noticed the quality of, of the programming in, in getting better or certainly heading in the right direction as far as I'm concerned so I don't think we'll ever see the heights of the attitude era again but I think that element of competition uh, things are definitely stepping up and I think if they were just allowed to uh, loosen the reins a little bit on some of the wrestlers uh, giving them a bit more freedom allowing them to be themselves instead of more of a generic uh, promos or scripted I think that uh, things could get a bit more interesting in the future um, but uh, what are your thoughts on, on Jason's question there about the attitude era and will they ever reach them heights again I love attitude era but it depends what you depends what you think heights are. In terms of WWE, they've surpassed the Attitude Era. The profits are higher than what Attitude Era was. They've got more sponsors than Attitude Era was. And they're getting more money on their TV deals. So in terms of them, financially, they're at the greatest height that compared to the Attitude Era. But in terms of like product delivery, I don't obviously they're not there. I don't think they can get to those heights, though, because it's, to me, society's changed. Society's changed, so you can't have that product as edgy. I think with so so much politically correct and people being offended um, a lot easier and things like that can play a factor into it. And I think it's just the landscape's changed. The internet wasn't a big thing. People are like, oh, that was predictable, knew that was going to happen. Well, if you're reading the dirt sheets 24-7 then you're going to know what's going to happen. And that's the internet is is what is, I think, making it not as hyped. And I think with the landscape with UFC, UFC's grown massively. And a lot of those wrestling fans have gone to UFC and they're liking the mixed martial arts a lot more. And he's mentioned edgy products in AEW, NXT. They're both still hitting under a million. And each week, their views are decreasing. So I just don't know if that audience is there anymore. Mm, yeah, you make, make some good points. But uh, I do think WWE have the potential to be a little bit edgier. I mean, they're, they're trying some uh, some storylines that aren't quite hitting the spot at the moment. But uh, I think that when you look at NXT, that's a slightly edgier product. Um, and that seems to be getting over more with the fans. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly what's what's uh, hitting the spot, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Um, but uh, back to AEW, and uh, let's talk about the main event of this week's show. It's Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Sammy Guevara and Le Champion Chris Jericho. I can't say it as well as he does, Kurt, but... Uh, Le Champion. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I need a little bit of the bubbly to uh, get my vocal cords working. But so this was a really fun match to cap off this week's episode of Dynamite uh, with Jericho getting the pinfall um, after interference from Pac with a low blow to Adam Page on the ring apron, allowing Jericho to deliver his Judas effect, hooking the leg and getting the one, two, three. So this was a, a fun way to cap off the tag match. However, the action wasn't over there as all uh, five members of the inner circle start to beat down on Hangman. 
before Cody races to the ring to clear Guevara from the ring with a uppercut. Uh, Jericho retreats away from the ring, uh, but not before MJF uh, comes uh, from behind to drop Jack Hager and Jericho with chair shots on the rampway, allowing Cody to hit his crossroads on Le Champion, seemingly to put an end to the show. However, uh, from out of the crowd, John Moxley came with a barbed wire baseball bat in hand and uh, uh, had a bit of a face-off with Kenny Omega. MJF brawls with Jack Hager on the outside. Santana and Ortiz, they rush the ring only to be chased down by the Young Bucks, and Jericho drags Cody over the top rope and out of the ring. Uh, Mox and Omega uh, then battle to the back. Uh, then we see Nick Jackson dive off of the staging onto all of the heels down below. And that was an intense brawl and uh, ended the show on a real high heading into Saturday's pay-per-view. So uh, a, a pretty good match for what it was, but it, it's going to be remembered for the kind of shenanigans and uh, all the beatdowns and brawling that happened afterwards. But uh, much like how NXT went off the air this week, um, AEW did something similar. And uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a, a fun, wild brawl to cap things off. But uh, give us your thoughts on that closing match and that closing segment then, Kurt. The biggest thing I'm impressed about with AW is how intertwining the storylines are and it's not being forced. So you've got the history of Omega and Paige both losing to Jericho and that's why Jericho's champion. And you mentioned with the inner circle being around there, you had Moxley and Omega going at it, but then... Um, Santana and Ortiz stopped them from fighting. And then as they're trying to do the power bomb on the stage to the Young Bucks, it's as if Moxley and Omega work together to take out LAX, well, Santana Ortiz. And then I love the bit where it's like, right, that's done, me and you now. And then they start brawling away. And it's just good to see all these. You've got the inner circle, you've got the elite, but then you've got the offshoot of Cody and his friend with MJF. And I just love how everything's intertwining organically. And a couple of times, they, they get the crowd so hyped up, and then they die down. Then Moxley comes out, gets so hyped up, then it dies down because they're having that um, standoff on the stage. And then they run at each other again. And it's just waves of emotion constantly because they're letting you calm down and then, bang, here we go again. And to me, that's it's exciting television and... That's how you build to a pay-per-view. That's how you go home for a pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. So if I were to put you on the spot, uh, like I like like I like to ask my guest hosts every single week, which of the two shows would you say was the better show? You obviously had NXT uh, with uh, the OC showing up and that brilliant opening segment. You had Dunn versus Priest and uh, that main event match between the OC, Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee and uh, the whole closing segment. And then, of course, with uh, AEW, you had a few good matches there, but uh, you had that excellent promo from Cody, that video package from uh, from Chris Jericho and that uh, wild main event. So uh, what would you say was your favourite match of the week? What was the best match? Or best uh, show of the week sorry why did I have to come on this week like, <laughs> they were both good they were both awesome yeah um, I think for terms of in-ring quality and the quality throughout the show has to go to NXT but yeah. then with the Cody promo and the way they AW closed they were two of the highest points as well I'd have to go with NXT but Cody and the way Elite and Inner Circle closed is up there with what essentially the OC, Undisputed Era and everybody did. Mm. But overall, NXT has to win. 
Yeah, I think for the reason you mentioned about AEW has to be uh, the reason why I'm going to vote AEW this week. I just found that that Cody promo, the uh, the kind of funny uh, Chris Jericho video package. I just found that the, the matches weren't, the in-ring action wasn't as good on AEW compared to NXT, but I felt as a go-home show to get you hyped and looking forward to the pay-per-view. I felt they did everything that was necessary. And um, oh, yeah, I think that that Cody promo kind of tipped it over the edge yeah. for me and made it the show of the week for me. So uh, um, I'm going to side against you on this occasion and say AEW. Uh, but it, it was very, very close. You're probably yeah. talking 49 to 51 there. Um, <laughs> nah, but, I, uh, I agree with your thoughts. Like in-ring NXT win, storyline yeah. and prepping for the next show, AEW gets that win. Agreed, agreed. So let's go on to our final set of questions before we talk about the uh, the full gear pay-per-view itself then. So we've got a question from Jason Hall who asks, uh, terrible wrestlers that you secretly loved. He gives an example of, of Sid. Uh, well, uh, terrible wrestlers I secretly loved back in the day has to be, uh, firstly, the Warlord. I think I've mentioned him on this podcast before. I just loved his look. Uh, but I, I thought he just, I, I loved the big guys. I mean, Vince McMahon um, obviously was doing something right when he was trying to push and promote all the big guys. They couldn't wrestle um, a, a lick, but they, they certainly looked great and menacing. I loved his kind of Phantom of the Opera silver mask and his big shoulder pads, and uh, not that he needed them, to be honest with you. Um, the other wrestler that uh, was was terrible, uh, but I absolutely loved, was, 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 was Crush. Now, this was kind of... Uh, post-demolition crush when he was introduced as Kona crush and I thought yeah another big guy good looking you know did some vignettes before they introduced him uh, for his first match um, and uh, he didn't quite deliver in the ring to be honest with you I, I kind of looked at him I thought yeah maybe he could be the next Hulk Hogan he's kind of got the size he's you know six foot five six foot six uh, built quite well looks good uh, but it didn't quite deliver when uh, when the bell rang uh, but what about yourself any terrible wrestlers that you secretly loved Eva Marie. Right. Loved Eva Marie. <laughs> Not going to yeah. lie. Um, somebody that does get called terrible was Scott Steiner. And people slated his like WWE run where he came back and stuff like that. And his feud with Triple H. I loved Scott Steiner. I still enjoy watching Scott Steiner. Um, I don't know how he falls into the terrible category. A lot of people say he's terrible. I think that's BS if you watch any of his stuff before all the steroids and when it was him and Rick just tearing it up as a tag team. Yeah. But yeah, even Marie was just, she's great. She should have <laughs> uh, Jason also asks, uh, make a WWE Hall of Fame class tw for 2020. So for next year, ahead of next year's WrestleMania, of course. And I've got uh, uh, quite an interesting set of wrestlers. Well, not interesting. I suppose a lot of them are quite obvious choices, but certainly the British Bulldog, I think it's long overdue. Uh, and he should be going in there. And I wouldn't mind him going in there with Tom Billington, the Dynamite Kid, and putting them in as a tag team. Uh, Vader, long overdue, should have gone in when he was still alive. Um, but a massive fan of Vader, big man Vader. I'd love him to go on to, into the WWE Hall of Fame. Big Bang, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, excuse me. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, another big man that could move around the ring. Um, and uh, where you had Vader on uh, WCW TV, uh, the equivalent that WWE had at the time was uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Absolutely loved him. Another wrestler, uh, well, not not a wrestler, but she was a big part of the the rock and wrestle uh, period back in the mid '80s. But I'm surprised that Cindy Lauper hasn't gone in as a uh, WWE Hall of Famer, considering the exposure the exposure that she gave to wrestling back in the mid '80s. She was a, a big part of WrestleMania One and a big part of that kind of rock and wrestle. Um, 
kind of uh, era, you could say. And uh, the obvious one, of course, is Owen Hart, uh, whether we'll ever see Owen in the Hall of Fame or not is yet to be seen um, but uh, I think he is kind of top of most people's lists but uh, would love to see uh, the King of Hearts get in there one day but what about yourself Kurt the Hall of Fame class for 2020? Very similar actually I had Owen I had yeah. Davey um, I had Tom Billington so I had those three um, I've also got and people are going to hate me for this Nikki and Brie Bella for what they did during the Diva era of um, women's wrestling can't go untested. Like the merch sales, the TV shows, they had such an impact on so many younger women. I think they deserve to be in it. Um, and then two others, I've got Ken Shamrock. Yeah. And the person that gave him, like, The Rock. The Rock's headlining. But yeah, Ken Shamrock deserves to be in that. And as a side note, I love seeing him in Impact Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, final question from Jason Hall then. So which commentary duo was better? Uh, Jesse Ventura and Vince McMahon, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, or JR and Lawler? So uh, for what it's worth, I've gone for Gorilla and Heenan. Um, you've got to think, I think that their glory year really as a commentary duo was 1992. You had the Royal Rumble 92 and then you had WrestleMania 8. And I thought that uh, Heenan and uh, Monsoon, the chemistry they had, the banter that they had, uh, Gorilla constantly getting annoyed at Heenan, but it was just uh, uh, it, it was comedy genius and uh, a really really good time as a WWE fan, a WWF fan, and to be listening to those two on commentary. So I'm going to go with Gorilla and Bobby Heenan mainly for the 91-92 era. So what about yourself? Out of them three sets of commentary teams, who would you go with? As a duo, I went for the same. So Monster and Heenan, their chemistry was absolutely fantastic. Um, Part of me wanted to go JR and Lawler, but I've never been the biggest fan of Lawler, if I'm being honest, with his commentary. I've loved what JR's done. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Monsoon and Heenan. Excellent. Final set of questions from uh, Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast. So they were kind enough to send us a, a couple of questions. Uh, firstly, what are your expectations of AEW Full Gear? Uh, what will be the match of the night? So we're going to be talking more about that um, in a moment. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the pay-per-view. Um, I have purchased it on uh, Fight TV. Um, it's a very stacked card, as we'll get around to talking about in a minute. I'm expecting there to be some really hot matches. I'm particularly looking forward to the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, looking forward to Omega and Moxley and of course I think the highlight of the night is going to be Cody versus Jericho for the championship uh, what about yourself what are your expectations of what uh, will be the match of the night well it's going to be an amazing show and my former brain buster brother I think it's an unfair question to be honest because <laughs> the card is stacked um, I'm looking forward to Cody and Jericho I genuinely feel that match could give the same vibe as Cody and Aldis Um Moxley and Omega are going to kill each other, which is going to be fun. And you've got the dream match in Bucks and um, LAX. Well, proud and powerful, the called now. But for me, the match I'm looking forward to the most is Cody and Jericho. Yeah, agreed. And final, final question, once again from Everything Pro Wrestling. Uh, what is your favourite food to eat during a wrestling event? So um, I'm, I'm assuming he's, he's referring to what, what uh, snacks should have on offering in the table in front of you while watching at home on TV. Um, but uh, for me, 
uh, I've got a bit of tradition every time it's WrestleMania. I always get in pizza and uh, I finish it off with a bowl of profiteroles. I don't know why. I just love pizza. I love profiteroles. So I get them both in on WrestleMania night. And I'll probably do the same tomorrow night for full gear. But uh, do you have um, a tradition as far as your snacks and uh, uh, what snacks are top of your list when you're watching a, a live event? I'll start off with cheeseburger. Right. Uh, especially if it's like a watch party and we can afford to get quite a lot. Do the burger, sometimes chips. Not the biggest chip lover, to be honest. Um, and I'd go for, like, pizza and garlic bread to share with people and stuff like that. But if it's just myself, I'd probably go cheeseburger and a garlic bread. And it's weird, the fact that this is my second guest appearance since starting podcasting again. And twice I've been asked about food. <laughs> like, I know I like my food, but... It's, okay, yeah, right, I'm going to ask about food. <laughs> Uh, but, I, th- yeah. I think if, if you were to ask any wrestling fan, they're, they're kind of uh, it'll be uh, an interesting topic of conversation because I think we all have our favourite snacks uh, that we like to go to when watching wrestling shows. But uh, let's have a look at Full Gear and the, and the card that's taking place uh, on Saturday night. Uh, AEW Full Gear. It's their third pay per view. Of, of course, we had Double or Nothing back in May. Uh, we had All Out at the end of August, and now we've got Full Gear. So uh, it's been built quite nicely. Uh, I've got a list of eight matches in front of me, one of which appears to be a pre-show match. So the pre-show match is uh, B. Priestley versus Britt Baker, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, any, any kind of uh, any favourites there between B and Britt? Um, are you surprised to see Britt uh, Baker on the on the pre-show? And uh, who do you think will come out on top? Pre-show. The way WWE have made pre-shows look has been such a negative thing. Mm. If you look at all the buying so far, every fan is already in the building. True. Every fan is already in the seat. And that's why it's a buy-in. Because it's nothing pre. It's nothing that's lesser than what's going to be happening on the main show. It's something to make you buy in. It's something to be like, holy shit, that's amazing. I'm going to go buy the pay-per-view now. And that's what, quote-unquote, a pre-show should be. So... I'm surprised they're on there. Maybe so. But I can understand why they are on there because them two are going to absolutely kill it. And if a casual fan, whether or not they're watching on fake TV, TNT, over here in the, on ITV, and they're watching that, they're going to be like, actually, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think out of all the matches, that's that'll be the one where I can understand why it's on, on the buy-in for both in terms of importance, but the quality as well, make sure that people are going to buy in. Mm, definitely. And uh, who are you going with? Who's your, who's your pick? I can... I'd love to see B Priestley take the win. Maybe some underhanded tactics to continue the feud with Britt Baker. But part of me is thinking Britt's not had the biggest run yet, and she's been... Essentially, the marquee signing of the women's division. True. So, my head says, well, my heart wants B Priestley just because of the UK connection, and it would love to see her do well, but I think they'll go with Britt Baker. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to go with Britt. Let's say she was their marquee signing, the first ever signee to the women's division when AEW was first uh, announced, introduced to the world back in early January. Um, so, I'll be surprised. She's a real dentist. She's a Indeed. real. Indeed. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm you that. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, I'm going for Brit as well. Let's have a look down the cards. So we've got uh, a match that was uh, announced following uh, a little bit of uh, interjection between these two, Joey Janella and Sean Spears. So it was a match that was announced on this week's Dynamite, as we uh, mentioned earlier. So uh, yeah, it's, it's officially part of the cards. Joey Janella versus Sean Spears for me. Um, I think that Sean Spears is taking the win. I think uh, he hasn't had, um, like I say, the best start as far as I'm concerned, but I, I understand what you said earlier that uh, he, he's, he's, he's a different character. He is different to when he was Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10 in WWE. And uh, it's kind of a bit of a build for him for greater things. And I think that this is the start of greater things to come for Sean Spears. And I think this is a good opportunity for pick to pick up the W uh, on this one. But as much as I love Joey Janela, um, I think that uh, he can take the loss um, on this occasion. And I think it's Sean Spears. But what about yourself? You've hit the nail on the head. Um, I think Sean Spears will win. I want Sean Spears to win. And I think Sean Spears need yes, yeah, Sean Spears needs to win this. Yeah. Joey Janela can afford to take the loss because he's not had that real story, that real character pushing forward. He's had some great matches with Kenny Omega so far. He's been having all the violent stuff that's going on. And I can afford I think because of Joey Janela's personality, lovability, and his hardcore nature, he can afford to take these losses and get a run straight up, like off the back, like down the line. But I think with Sean Spears, if he loses this match, that's a big hit. I don't know how they'll recover if he loses to Janela. Mm. Uh, the match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship so it's now a three-way uh, uh, SCU Frankie Kazarian and Scorpion Sky defending their championships that they won last week um, and they will be going up against um, number one contenders and the team that they beat in the final of the tag team tournament the Lucha Brothers Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix going up against the, uh, the number two contenders you could say Private Party who won their match against the Dark Order this week to be included into that three-way um, so uh, this this should be quite an interesting match. I think you alluded to it earlier on. This is going to be a fast-paced, action-packed, 100-mile-an-hour match. Um, I personally am expecting SCU to retain. I think it's too soon after winning the championships to lose them. Um, if they were to lose, possibly the Lucha Brothers, but I've got to go with SCU. I think that uh, Scorpio Sky is, a, is a, a talent to behold. I think that whether it's tag team or as a singles wrestler in the future, I think he's going to be a, an amazing success uh, alongside Frankie Kazarian in this match. I think those two are retaining. So uh, what about yourself, Kurt? Yeah, I agree. I think it's too early for him to drop it. I think they've hit gold with Scorpio Sky, personally. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it'd be too soon. I hope they don't change the belts for the shock factor. So I think that'd be too soon. I think Private Party, the ones there in there to take the pin. I can't see Lucha Bros taking a pin again. Um, So I think SCU going over Private Party. Mm. Now on to the AW Women's Championship and Rihu Defenso Championship against uh, fellow Joshi wrestler Emi Sakura. So uh, these two have kind of fought on opposite sides of the rings a, a few times over the last few months. But so uh, this time uh, the championship gold is on the line. Um, I, I think for similar reasons to what you mentioned earlier, it's possibly a bit too soon for Ryu to lose the championship. AEW have invested a lot of time um, in Ryu in terms of really promoting her, getting behind her, making her their first women's champion. Um, the gimmick of Emi, Emi Sakura, um, the kind of Freddie Mercury queen gimmick, is it really getting over with the fans? You said earlier that uh, you know some of her attempts to get the crowd into some of the charts weren't quite working. Um, it should be a good match, I think, as, as a wrestling match. 
it should be pretty solid. Uh, these two obviously know their way around the ring and know each other very well. I think the chemistry should be pretty good and on point on the day. Um, but uh, I'm going for a Ryu win. But what about yourself? Yeah, uh, Riho to get the win, I think. I think Sakura is probably the perfect person to make her get the best match so far from Riho. Um, with the Freddie Mercury thing, I think it might be where where they are. Full Gear is going to have a lot more of a hardcore-based fans than what last week, well, what this week had, because a lot of people will be coming in from all over. So I think it'll have a better reaction this time. But for me, my I'd book Riho to win. I, yeah, Riho to win. Mm. And um, the next match has uh, been building for a number of months, and this is their third match between the uh, these two uh, opponents. Adam Page versus the Bastard Pack or Park. Um, in a singles match, uh, I'm particularly looking forward to this one. I think both wrestlers are uh, you know, as close to being the total package as it comes, to be honest with you. And uh, this one's going to be close to call, though. I mean, Pac's been getting quite a few wins of late, certainly on Dynamite and uh, in previous pay-per-views. Adam Page has already acknowledged that he's not had a good run of things and that he feels that he's let the fans down. Um, so I think that uh, Adam Page could turn things around a little bit here. And I think uh, Adam Page um, is going to take the uh, the win in this one. But uh, what about yourself? I'd like to see Page take the win. But I think the way they've booked Pac so far, I'd say either Pac's winning or the match is going to be a draw. I can't see Paige getting the win. And I think it's going to lead to Paige getting more frustrated because he was the blue chip guy. He's the guy that Cody said he's world champion material. And I feel Paige is going to break and to add a bit more to his character. I can see that happening. And I, I said before, I'd love to see a feud between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. And I'm hoping that happens. Um, I'd love that. And I think it just add another layer to Page to get a way out of their shadow. I think Pack to win. I think, yeah, Pack or a draw. Mm, interesting. Uh, how about the Young Bucks versus uh, Santana and Ortiz? I mean, I think this is going to be another one of those 100 mile an hour matches. Uh, we know that the Young Bucks can go. We know that Santana and Ortiz can go. I'm sure these two teams have wrestled uh, thousands of times before, so they're going to know each other very, very well. I think this match could be uh, one to keep an eye on. It could potentially be match of the night. I think this one's going to be really, really hot for myself. Oh. It's, it's a close one, but I've got to go with Santana and Ortiz. They're the, they're the newer tag team that needs to be established a bit more in AEW. Um, and I think that uh, being part of the inner circle, I think that uh, Santana and Ortiz are going to take they're going to take the win on Saturday night. But it's going to be a close one. Uh, there could be some shenanigans. It could be a no contest. Who knows? Uh, but what do you think? How do you think this match is going to end? It's just... Santana and Ortiz are winning, in my opinion. But then it's another big loss for the Bucks. And again, I kind of like how they've been doing it with the books. I like how they've been doing it with Omega. But for me, Santana Ortiz will get the win. And I think it's going to be a way to make the books and Kenny to take things serious and turn it up a notch and be the elite of old. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so the next match we're going to talk about, I think it's been billed as the, the main event of the night or certainly the match that could potentially go on last. But I'm going to talk about it as if it's the, the kind of the, the semi-final match. But uh, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, uh, a non-sanctioned lights out match. So there's been a uh, lot said about this, lots said about the uh, the gimmick uh, added to it. Um John Moxley and Kenny Omega, they were meant to have fought one another at All Out back in August. That didn't happen because Moxley was out with an injury. Uh, so this feud's been going on for quite a few months now. The storyline's built and built and built. Both guys have given some pretty good uh, backstage promos. And there's quite a bit of heat around this match in particular. Um, as for who's going to win, I mean, it's a match that's kind of more designed around uh, a John Moxley character. He's kind of the more unsanctioned, unhinged uh, sort of uh, character out the two, but Kenny Omega, I think he's he's adaptable. He can certainly turn it up with a more hardcore style when needed. Um, it'd be interesting to see how far they take this match. To be honest with you, especially as they've gone, you know, to great lengths to call it unsanctioned and lights out, and AEW are washing their hands with this one. Um, but uh, I, I suppose because of the nature of the match, I've got to go with John Moxley. But uh, what about yourself? I'm going to go with Moxley um, just because of the promo of you're protecting your boy. You're making it so I don't beat Kenny Omega on the record books. And I think Moxley's going to win. It's going to be, again, tipping Kenny over the edge as well and make him... I think the building for the Elite and Kenny to sort something out. I think there might be shenanigans, maybe, from outside factors. But for me, Moxley's getting the win. Mm. Agreed. And then uh, I'm not sure whether this is going to go on last, but it certainly deserves to go on last uh, with the build and all the hype that's gone on over the last few weeks since the match was announced. But uh, Chris Jericho versus Cody um, for the AEW World Championship. I, mean, I, I don't think we can fault the build to this match. It's got everybody looking forward to not just this match, but the whole show as a whole uh, because of the effort that's gone into it from these two individuals. Um, I mean, we've spoken at length about the, the passion and the emotion that Cody shows in his promos and in his delivery. Uh, but I think he, he can he can definitely go in the ring. Jericho, not as fast and as agile as he probably was 15, 20, 25 years ago. But I think he can still deliver. He's, he's kind of modified his approach and he's modified his, his style to adapt uh, to his age and to his opponent. Um, and he can mix up with the best of them. He's, he's kind of uh, shown that on AEW. He's shown that in New Japan as well. Um, so this is going to be an interesting match. Two very, very experienced professional wrestlers that really know um, how to turn it on when the when the lights are on. Um, but uh, I'm expecting a really top-notch match here. Lots of emotion. Remember, you've got the 60-minute time limit um, feature with the three uh, guests judges at ringside so that could be a factor i'm hoping the match doesn't go 60 minutes because i don't know whether it will be as good a match if it goes that long i'm expecting it to go maybe 35 40 um but uh, this match is going to have a little bit of everything going back to the head versus heart thing here kurt i mean I'd, i think my, my heart is saying cody but my head is saying jericho retains but uh, what about yourself is it going to be a full pay-per-view with no title change, I don't think it will be. Mm. Um, you've got uh, Jericho going to Wrestle Kingdom to face Tanahashi. That's going to be his last match in New Japan. Yes. I reckon. So Tanahashi's going over. So will AEW actually want their champion to lose to Tanahashi? I think they've been quite clever. Either they've done the stipulation regarding the judges to make people think it's going to go 60 minutes and it's not. 
But then I think with the judges, they could make it so Cody gets that win and Jericho feels betrayed because, of course, the judges are going to vote for the boss. Of course, the judges, because they want to be paid. They want their job. And there's a conspiracy because they didn't want Jericho as their champion and the authority or whatever you want to call them, the powers that be have made sure that Jericho is no longer champion. So I could see it going that I could see it going that way. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Cody's winning. Mm, like I said, I'd love him to. Uh, well, I, I suppose uh, we're just going to have to tune in and find out, aren't we, Kurt? But uh, I think Full Gear is going to be a phenomenal pay-per-view. Um, and I can't wait to talk about that when we do the review on Sunday. But, uh, Kurt, um, that, that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, this week's episode. Um uh, do you have any kind of any any plugs, any uh, social media um, handles that you want to throw out there to the listeners in case they want to get in touch with you or the Ringsider crew? Where can they get hold of you? Where can they find out about you and your podcast? Or uh, you know, where can they just come and say hi? So you can find myself at Kate Johansson ninety three. Um, just give us a tweet. I like discussing wrestling. If you're wanting me. If you do your own show and you're wanting me to discuss, then just drop me a message. My DMs are open. If you want to listen to me on a regular basis and see some of our older content, which we're going to be releasing as Ringsider Vaults, we will be releasing our um, great interviews with like the likes of Lance Archer. You can find me weekly at Ringsider Pod. Um, we've got quite a lot of interesting stuff happening. If you go onto the Zealots Network on YouTube, that's where you can find us at the moment. We will be doing our audio feeds uh, shortly. Have a look at some of our other stuff as well. We've got Don't Even Get Me Started from our Wrestle Thoughts days. Let us know what you think of that. That's something that we're going to be bringing up. It's just three of us getting triggered about different things in wrestling. Check out Zealots Network on Twitter, which is at Zealots Network. And that way you can find where everything is. Ringsider at Ringsider Pod. Make it darker at Make Darker. The Occult at Occult Pod. They're all in the bio of Zealots Network. Have a look, see what we're doing. Superb. Well, Kurt, I want to thank you so much for being our uh, special guest host on this uh, Ask uh, Ask Yonah's Q&A special, anniversary special. So uh, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed uh, your Wrestling With Yonah's experience, buddy. No, I've loved it. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I hope the listeners have liked it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I um, wouldn't mind coming back in the future. So if you have enjoyed me and Jonas, like just tearing up speaking wrestling, then put in the requests. Say hashtag bring back Kurt. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to do that. But uh, I've got a few other thank yous before we uh, say goodbye to our listeners. Uh, thanks to everyone that has helped uh, with the, the rise of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Um, guest hosts that I'm going to list off now, uh, Matt Bayliss, David Anderson that have been there from day one pretty much, uh, Heather Padbury and Chris Martin um, who occasionally drop on and help us with uh, pay-per-view reviews. And Chris Martin, a very, very talented uh, rapper based out of London who created and produced the uh, opening theme to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Uh, Chris Thornton and Ash Crawford, who uh, tend to do our AEW reviews, and uh, they'll be joining me on Sunday for the Full Gear review. Uh, other guest hosts, uh, Kieran Reed, Ashley Clements, Jason Lee Wood, uh, Tommy Lynch uh, from uh, Watch Along Wrestling on YouTube, uh, Dits uh, from Dits on Wrestling, Josh Robinson, uh, and even cheeky Dan Grantham. And a big thank you uh, to Kurt Johansson. Um, yes, I'm uh, the only person that can say his surname correctly, uh, but thank you so much for uh, for helping us out and being part of the Wrestling with Jonas uh, family. Uh, so a big thank you also has to go out to uh, Nick Towers. Now, Nick 
is a friend of the Arrested Majolas uh, podcast and uh, Arrested Majolas Facebook community page. And Nick also, uh, he, he uh, is the artist behind the um, cover art the, the, for episode 77, the uh, anniversary edition. So uh, a shout out to Nick there for doing a fantastic job on the kind of the, the graphics and the artwork for episode 77. Uh, so thank you. I also want a, a bit of a shout out and a thank you to my family uh, and my wife, especially for being so patient, being patient with me. Uh, doing all these podcast episodes it worked out about one and a half podcasts per week which is uh, a lot uh, when you've got to uh, you know manage a full-time job and look after your family and uh, they've been very patient with me kind of shutting myself away for a few hours at a time to do this on a weekly basis so thank you um also, a thank you to uh, many of the guests that I've interviewed on the podcast over the last 12 months, including uh, Sean McMahon, Gary Ward, Sean Custom, Jimmy Corderas, and most recently, Gary Michael Capella. So uh, I've enjoyed every moment of making these 77 episodes of the podcast, and I've learned so much about uh, writing and producing and editing podcasts, uh, as well as how to market the podcast and how to make the best use of social media. It's a bit of an art form in itself, how to kind of uh, use social media to uh, get the word out there. Um, I've learned so much about graphic design and video editing um, and I'm keen to continue improving the quality of my podcast and video content for all of my lovely listeners for the next 12 months to come. More importantly, I've made so many great friends through the podcast. And in fact, um, it was our uh, connections through our respective podcasts that I first got introduced to Kurt. And we kind of said hello to one another through Twitter. Um, and uh, in exactly the same way that uh, I've become great friends with so many other podcasters out there over the last 12 months. Uh, so once again, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to my friends and family. Thank you to Kurt for helping us out with today's episode. Our next episode will, uh, will drop on Sunday the 10th, uh, where Ash Crawford and Chris Thornton will be helping me to review, uh, do a full review of Full Gear. And uh, we've, we've discussed it already. Uh, we've laid down our predictions and I'm sure it'll be a hell of a show. But in the meantime, please keep it tuned to the Redfin Majolas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT UK AEW updates and uh, WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family, and don't forget to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, people, and tell your friends and family about the Wrestling Majolas podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, if they hit subscribe, they will get notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, but from myself and from Kurt Johansson, thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend and speak to you all soon. Bye for now.